0: Wow, man, freaked out! You're listening to the Brenton on Tour podcast. That's right. He travels the world running concerts and searches for the best coffee, people, and amazing stories so you don't have to. Pay attention, you're going to learn something for it, Jake. This is a show about all of those things and much, much more. You're blowing my mind right now. This is, I hope someone's recording this. So settle in, pour a cup of amazing coffee. He's a coffee snob, by the way. Crank that ghetto blaster and enjoy the 150 Thousand ranked podcast in the land. Ah, fake laugh. Hiding real pain. I think that's an exaggeration. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast. Any questions? Here's BD. Brenton on Tour podcast for another week. I am here hanging out on a beautiful weekend, rainy weekend in Vancouver. Don't we love it? Don't we love it? Don't we love it? I am continuing my series today of... People in the music industry and doing kind of what I do for a living uh, in some various form. We run concerts. We do all sorts of things. As you guys know, there's various jobs and things that happen in our business. uh, Some that maybe you don't even know about. Like, did you know there's a job called a runner? Where the runner just runs around for the band and the promoter all day? Really good gig. Meet a lot of people. Uh, There's our band Cooks. I mean, did you know that artists travel with cooks that just cook for them all the time? That's a good gig. They never sleep. But anyways, catering never sleeps. Uh, And then there's security, as we know, and there's all these different things. But a lot of people don't understand or realize that uh, we got doctors that we need to call every now and again. We got doctors, we got people who, um, you know, artists get sick and bands get sick and Things like that uh, happen all the time on tour, and you can't just really take them to the emergency room, or you can't really just take them to um, uh, just a walk-in clinic or something all the time, because you're going to be waiting around. So we have uh, people like my good friend that's going to join me today, who actually uh, is a savior for us in the business, because uh, he's somebody that we can call, who's on call for us basically at any point, point. and his name is Dr. Sam Gutman, and he joins me today. How are you, sir? Good to see you. I'm out-
1: outstanding. Thanks for having me. It's uh, I'm a big fan,
0: fan of the uh, fan of the show. I'm a fan of you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> for anyone not uh, realizing that uh, or not familiar with my tale, but, uh, I did have a batch of the old COVID there, and uh, well, this guy on with me right now uh, was my doctor and is my doctor, at least in the current state of of things. He may have to. Uh, I mean, maybe take a break from that soon and stop bugging him over my post long haul conditions and some of the stuff that we've been going through. But Sam was one of the first people to call me when this went down. And he was also a, a very, very uh, resourceful and amazing uh, person to have at my disposal as I was going through COVID and wondered if... The beginning stages, if I was going to die or if I was going to pull th- pull through this thing, I had no idea what the hell was going to go on. Um, so Sam is here and he does a billion things, including having a company called RockDoc, which um, I'll let him explain what he does. But I appreciate, number first and foremost, let me just tell you, I appreciate uh, everything, my friend. Thank you so much for, uh, for being such a consultant in my world and being a uh, non-agenda uh, uh, voice of reason, as I said. As, you, as we go through and try to manage this COVID thing, uh, you were the guy that uh, made it all kind of make sense for me. So I hope everyone listening will pay attention because this guy's got the straight goods. So welcome to the show, Sam. Let's tell everybody... What the hell got you into this music industry, man? Go ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, probably the primary reason is uh, I have absolutely no musical talent whatsoever. So um, the only way I could uh, get involved in music, uh, not being able to play and uh, being a failed band manager um, was, uh, was to apply the the medical talents to, uh, to this. So, yeah, my uh, I've been a fan forever back in the day. Uh, yeah, my buddy and I would save up our money and basically go to every show that came to town. And I was just fascinated by the production and and how things came together and different bands would highlight different things and you know, I'd study how they rigged up the lights and look at all the speakers and everything and and just really really loved the energy and the excitement of shows and was a big music fan and so, you know, as I as I grew older and matured and whatever um, you know I went to med school and that that was uh, where I ended up and then i realized well geez I could sort of put these things together and um, you know a little bit of good fortune somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew a guy who knew a guy uh, van Halen came to Vancouver and van Halen was my favorite band in high school even though i never really told anybody that uh, but um, yeah they came to town and they needed a doctor and somebody knew somebody who knew me and our uh, mutual friend uh, ron <laughs> called uh, called me yeah mr Chamberlain. Ron Chamberlain. yeah called me and said hey uh, here you're a uh, doctor you, can you come down to the show and we'll give you you know dinner and a couple of passes so i called my sister and i said hey guess what i got us backstage passes for van halen and so we went down there and just stood by the side of the stage and it was like the coolest thing ever so i just said to ron hey if you ever need anything just call me and it kind of went from there
0: was so that that, first, that's I, that was that the first show for you that you actually were legitimately a rock doctor on that's it was, the first time you were going to call like that yeah
1: first time i went down there and it was uh you know uh, uh the, I think it's it's referred to sort of inside the business as the uh, ambulance tour, because uh, they had all kinds <laughs> of issues on that tour. A bunch of guys were sick and Alex had a, had a surgery or whatever. Anyway, I went down there. I did nothing. Didn't see anybody. Just stood by the side of the stage. And that was enough, which is, you know, part of Part of what I do is just sort of make sure everybody feels okay and not just, you know, medically, but sort of socially and, you know, artists are artists and sometimes they just need to feel okay. And sometimes you just need to just help them feel okay. And that's not necessarily in the doctor feel good drug sense, but, you know, it's just make sure that they're, they're comfortable, that they know they're, they're, uh, they're looked after
0: and that allows them to go out and do their thing so um was yeah, that so was that an actual rock call for that show or is that uh, like just a standby in case someone dies on stage or someone <laughs> falls off the stage or someone which has happened you know, several times too
1: sure. um no it was I, I think there was the you know the band had called ahead and said hey we want to have a doctor there and because we've had these issues and then it turned out they didn't really need me but um but did want to uh, want me standing by so yeah, I went there and it was cool. And, you know, we loved, I loved the show because uh, my, my best buddy who I mentioned, who we used to go to all the shows together, he, uh, uh, his step uncle was the guitar tech for Eddie Van Halen. So, Jeez. you know, we were in, in early high school and we went to every Van Halen show, like every time. And, was that yeah, your first slides. concert?
0: I was going to ask you if that was your first, what was your first actual concert you went to?
1: My first ever was uh, Sean Cassidy. Sean Cassidy sean cassidy was from the partridge family
0: jeez where he was, was that? The, bro-
1: the brother it was at the uh, peony coliseum uh in in vancouver and uh my my at the time our babysitter uh she would take us to the peony every year and so it was my first concert we went to sean cassidy and I was like, whoa, this is cool. There's all these people here and they're cheering and there's music and lights. And wow, this is cool. I like this. <laughs> and I think I was. There's always right something that,
0: that gets us hooked, right? There's always one that gets us hooked. And some people, like, you know, there's some people that don't like music at all, if you can believe it. There's some people that don't care. They don't go to a concert. They don't, they've never been to a concert. They don't care to go to a concert. But then there's the others like us and we go to that first one. We're totally hooked. And it's well, like- that
1: that's it i, I just I, I mean i like to get excited about stuff i like to look forward to things i like i like the energy the excitement and yeah. um you know so putting putting all that together you know i'm i'm like the luckiest guy around i get to do you know my my three passions together uh you know mm-hmm. when this business started was was like wow okay I'm, you know healthcare medicine wow okay big events i love big events big action like crowds and gatherings yeah. and You know just all that and then you put that together with music and wow like holy i can actually do this for real for a living almost sort of yeah kind of (laughs) sort of
0: um you're actually the epitome of an of an actual rock doc like who lives it because Behind you, if anyone watching at home can see, you've got loads of posters, show posters, all the rest of it. Some of the rock docs that we get on these shows are just, are literally, and this happened to me in like Albuquerque, New Mexico, just a couple of weeks ago, the rock doc I had just came out of surgery and yeah. was just happened to be at the show and he's kind of on call like you're on call, but he was just, he was a, he was in, a, I think at the university of New Mexico uh, and he had literally had just done some kind of, you know. Just a major surgery and then happened to be a fan of the band I was touring with and was there. So when I asked for a rock doc, he he loved the music side of it, but uh, that was where it was. He just was a fan of the band. You, as long as I've known you can go toe to toe with music knowledge for, with a ton of people, but you got, you know, if you're listening, that's one thing. But if you, if you get a chance to watch this online, you'll see Sam has a whole bunch of rock posters behind him and all the rest of it. Um, So Sam is rock doc. He is a rock Doctor. He is, well, a little, a, you know,
1: I'm a recovering deadhead or not even recovering still. I mean, I used to do when I first got out of school, uh, I used to do, you know, I'd do a week or two weeks every day, you know, like 12, 14 hours a day in two or three different clinics and drive around, just you know, work as much as I could. And then I'd go fly down to California and go to a bunch of shows, dead shows, you know, catch a few shows at Shoreline and up the coast and then, you know, fly back, work a bit more and then, you know, go somewhere else and see fish or go somewhere else. And I had good friends live down in San Francisco and we'd just go hang out and go to the Fillmore and see whoever was there and Santana and you know all that so it was uh it was tons of fun so i was really a fan
0: that was my oddest discovery of you over the years has been your passion for fish and the dead because generally speaking there's a certain group of people that follow those bands that like to spend seven hours in a stadium really really high hanging out and chilling and um and uh, it's very interesting to me that uh, I, I rarely, I, say, I rarely meet uh, somebody not in that world that loves that band, <laughs> that loves those bands. It's like, you know, hey, we're gonna get a little high this weekend. We're gonna have a hangout and do all the rest. Of it. It's just very interesting to me. And most of the deadheads and 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 uh, fish fans I know are are in for that six hour show and, uh, have a little help to get there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, uh, you know, the, uh, for me, it was kind of the, the escape, right? Cause you know, one of the, I have to say one of the downsides of being the rock doc yeah. is I can't go to a show and just be anonymous in the crowd anymore, like right. I, it used to be my escape, right? Like, you know, whatever. My lifestyle was a bit stressful at work and stuff. And so I would go disappear into the crowd and I'd go to a dead show and just hang out with the people and the hippies. And never, I, I learned this actually at a show in Vegas once, Never, never tell that crowd that you're a doctor because they've been on the road for weeks and weeks and they're like, Oh, you're a doctor. Hey man, I got this thing. And, and then I'm like, Oh crap. I'm out of my, uh, my anonymous yeah. right. world and I'm back to work. So I was like, uh, you know, it's like, w- what do you do? Oh, you know, I just, I am in sales, man. I'm in sales.
0: So you talked about managing, um, do you dabbled in artist management? Before you did, did this, while you were in med school, or was it you had already a, you were already a doctor, and then you also I was decided, already out. You already yeah. Out. I was I was
1: out. So I, I was I was pretty lucky. I got through really quick. I I uh, managed to get through med school and, and undergraduate quick. I managed to uh, to cut off a couple of years, and there was a few avenues that I was able to take advantage of. So I was pretty young when I was licensed. So you know I was able to go and work hard uh for short periods of time and make enough money to just sort of do what i wanted to do and uh which was amazing right so i was like okay well i can go and manage this band and see where we go and be in the scene and be part of it and i didn't really have to worry about you know earning enough money to live because you know i was able to make it somewhere else so i was able to really get into the uh the experience and and you know got hooked up with uh, some really close buddies who had a pretty cool band and we had a little bit of local success and started to have a couple of gigs out of town and unfortunately at that point I realized that uh, that a good part of what, you know, you and a lot of other guys, uh, do exceptionally well is, you know, herd, herd the cats, like Mm -hmm. get these dudes around, get them to places, handle their needs. And, and I realized that that really wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And I also realized that my, uh, my guys, my band probably didn't have the, the level of commitment and drive to get through the difficult life of being on the road because it's you know what i've learned is it's not it's not glamorous it's hard work and it's long hours and it's tiring and it's 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 pretty tough Mm -hmm. on the people doing it and i realized or i I think i realized and that you know the the act that i was tied up with was was not going to have what it took to have big success long term and to get to the point where it was going to be not such a grind and so at that point i realized that you know management and touring tour management was not for me so
0: what kind um, of band what what kind of
1: band was it i mean they were you know a hippie band (laughs) so they they, you know hippie jam band and um no noah's great rainbow so shout out to gord and brad and the guys wow so, uh, you the know, we, journeys made, we made take, huh? <laughs> demo tapes and recording yeah. and all that, we did all that stuff. It was super cool. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got that early exposure and, and sort of had some understanding of, of elements of the business, which I, I think helped me later on. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you know, bands would call me and, you know, just tell me about their, their, their stuff and their issues, I kind of had a sense of, of what they were going through. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, well, yeah, you're calling me to come down. It's really, you know, I, I mean, I was an, an emergency doctor, so I'm used to, you know, being in trauma centers and, you know, people having heart attacks and stuff like that, like, you know, real medical stuff. And, you know, I'd get an urgent call to come down to a venue and, you know, the guy's got a blister, but it's like, okay, well, that blister on, you know, on, on the index finger, of the bass player, like that's a huge deal. That's, that's a major problem. And, um, so, you know, rather than blow them off and go, what are you talking about? You just called me down for a blister. It'd be like, okay, let's really start thinking about how we can get you through, you know, this issue that is a major, it's like, you know, it's like a a major league pitcher having a blister on his index finger. You can't work. You can't do what you do. So I had some kind of an understanding of, of the importance, uh, contextually of, of some of the stuff. So. So you, I think it was helpful.
0: you, You got out there and you get that call from Ron and you go do your first show and, and then he's, and then you kind of become the rock doc for Vancouver, uh, for me and others, we call you and you've come down to a few of my shows, uh, over the years. Um, what, you don't have to give the band away per se, all that you got as a rock doc. Oh, oddest! Um, Something that boy, you're oh, like. I thought it was gonna. I would I thought it was gonna be this, and I was gonna handle it like this, but it turned into this. <laughs> so well, it, it,
1: it's a good. It's a good point. It's a good question because you know I learned over the years to ask what it is that they needed before coming down. So be like, yeah, no problem, I can come down. Just you got a sense of what it is, so that I can be prepared. So one one of the one of the coolest experiences I ever had was uh, was a band. They had been touring, and one of their one of their really important key guys on the tour uh, had an uh, he had an abscess and uh, on his back, and he and he couldn't get at it, and he couldn't treat it. And you know, you're going n- night after night after night, and on the bus and whatever. And there's no time, and there was no breaks and no days off, and he couldn't get it sorted. And so he had this this big thing on his back and it was bad and uh and it was getting really nasty and uh so they didn't tell me what it was they're like okay well you know the the, the bus gets in at three and you know we got sound check at four thirty, and blah 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 and you know can you be here at three and i was like well you know it'll be tough what do we you know what's going on and anyway they didn't tell me what it was. I get there and there's this just gigantic mess that has to be sorted out. And I was like, okay, listen, you know, you got to come up to the hospital. We got to get this done. And, and he's like, well, yeah, I can, I got to do the show and whatever. So I was like, okay, hang on. So I, uh, I run up to back to the hospital, I grab a bunch of stuff. I come back down and we set up under the stands at, uh, at the arena. And I got two guys holding flashlights and, And we basically open up this, this lance, this giant abscess and, you know, just a big surgery right there on a, on the table and under the stands and you're packing the gauze in there. And it was a big mess. And uh, and anyway, the guy goes on, does the show. Everything's great. And the band was so grateful because this guy was a really key, key guy. So they say, Oh, well, you know, come back to the show. We, you know, we want to look after you. And I was like, okay, great. You know, not a huge fan of the band, but you know, sure. So I go home, I grab my wife, we go back down there and they're like, oh yeah, you know, you want a drink or whatever. i like, yeah, sure, sure. So they come and they, they sit us literally on the stage right behind the stack. And we're like on the stage and they're mixing us margaritas during the show and bringing us food and we're sitting on the stage. It was the craziest night. Like it was unbelievable. I'm like, uh, you know, a foot and a half from the lead singer who's belting it out and he's coming over and high five and we're sitting on the stage. It
0: was, well, you it saved them a the pile stage. of money probably as well. So it's the least that they could do. Huh? <laughs> they didn't have to cancel the show and they were able to continue the tour. So there you go. I think people yeah, need to understand cool. the, the significance and the importance of a rock doc, uh, especially for somebody like me that's on tour. I need to be able to sell something fast. I need to be able to sell something quick. If I've got an artist that's sick, uh, you know, there's levels. If there's a level of like, we got to get him to an emergency room, the rock doc isn't called. But if it's one of those things that can be handled on site, we generally have a rock doc in every city. Um, What kind of calls for people to wrap their head around what you, you know, could see at a show? What kind of calls, uh, whether it be festival, club, whatever, can people expect you to deal with? on a show day well
1: i'll put festivals aside because it's a whole other story that i want to actually share a couple of interesting ones on festivals because that actually is ultimately that is my the pinnacle of of what i think i i think i do is is the festival um you know that's really the the coming together of everything that's really how the the formalization of the company started was was a big music festival but um stuff we do it's um it's everything from nothing to really intense stuff so you know I, i guess i i explain it that this is like the traveling circus city to city to city you know three months away from from home and lots of stress and fatigue and all kinds of challenges and you know often it's just Hey, I'm worried about this doc. Can you come and just take a look at this thing on my leg or, or, you know, I I've had a nagging cough or, you know, my ears are sore from flying. You know, we just did, uh, you know, did the Letterman show in New York and we flew in and now my ears are plugged and I can't hear the monitors. So stuff like that. So a lot of basic stuff, a lot of, um, you know, as, as, as the industry has changed and, you know, I've been doing this a lo- Quite a while, the industry's changed to, you know, there's a lot of older acts that are touring more because they, you know, they're not making their money on albums like they used to. So they're out on the road longer. And so you've got 75 year old guys, and the guys that have been with the band for 30 years, they're 65, 70, sometimes more. Um, and so those are the folks that need to see their doctors more often, prescription refills, high blood pressure, you know, just usual stuff. And, oh, you know what, I, I ran out of whatever I need, I need a reload. Um, so that's sort of the, the, the majority of the stuff. Sometimes it's worse. Um, sometimes, you know, the stress gets out of control and people are starting to lose it. And so then it's a bit of, you know, psychiatry and stuff on the mm-hmm. road, um, Uh, And then, you know, the other is, is the, uh, the ubiquitous B12, um, which uh, is people explain what that is for
0: explain what that is uh, to people It's
1: folklore. It's total folklore. It's entertainment folklore that spans not just music, but uh, film and television and all entertainers. Uh, It's the yeah, you know, like, I'm really run down and, you know, I need a B12 shot. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you just need to sleep, and you need to just (laughs) go to bed, and you need to sleep for a day and a half, and that's really what you need. But anyway, so so it's like okay, the B12. Well, so you know, scientifically speaking, if you've even walked by a green vegetable in the last week, and you know, had some kind of protein, you you probably don't need any B12, and you're probably okay. But you know, some people will get a bit of a little buzz from it,
0: but it's really not
1: really well, much. Especially every
0: single tour I've ever been on, at B12. some point, there's a B12. At some point, so we they, have to call a rock dock in, or at some point, they're going out to a place yeah. to get a B12, and it's, it happens a lot. A lot of singers. A lot, a lot of, of singers, singers. yeah. And, and so somebody once asked me, they're like, so what does B12 do?
1: And I said, and I was kind of being a bit of a jackass. And I said, you know what B12 does? It gets me two passes to the show I want to see. That's
0: what <laughs> B12 does. Right. Um, is, there any, so, is there anything to it at all?
1: Is there, it just there a, is. a bunch
0: it of vitamins? Is, if you're vitamin deficient, what what's the deal with the B12? No, B12 is
1: a really important vitamin. Like it's it's really important to a lot of different parts of metabolism. Like it is a crucial thing, but, but you get it by eating properly. And, sure. but, you know, like if you... You know if you've been strung out for years on tour and you haven't eaten properly and you just you know drink booze and do drugs or whatever yeah okay you might be b12 deficient so sure um but the vast majority of people it doesn't do much and so you know i was like is this ethically right for me to you know be doing this and the good news is that you know you can't have too much b12 um and so you know if you don't need it you just pee it out and so i was like okay well i'm not hurting these guys so if that's what they want and and again you know when i and it came to me that what i really do most of the time is is put these guys minds at ease so that they can go out and do what they do um you know and it's a funny story actually drummer of a of a huge you know a band everybody knows like a one of the the iconic bands of of forever uh i'm sitting there chatting with the drummer and you know super nice guy and we're having a little you know friendly time shooting the shit or whatever and um and he says okay well you know it's time to to give me the shot doc and uh, i said you know listen man you're a bright guy you're a reasonable dude like i gotta tell you there's absolutely no scientific evidence that this is actually going to do anything for you right and he looks at me and he goes listen man for thirty years, every night before I go on stage, I get a shot in my ass. So give me a shot in my ass. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, there you go. Yeah, that's what it is. I said I'm not. You know, you're not, not going to make you addicted. I'm not going to make you sick. I'm not going to hurt you. Right. That's what it is. Okay. So now, <laughs> on a side a note shot. to
0: that. On a side note to that. Um, again, we'll, we'll we'll leave things anonymous and all the rest of it. And you have. Uh, ethics and all the things that you have to follow. It's not the eighties anymore or the nineties. And I guess a simple yes or no would do. Have you been put in a scenario where ethics were challenged and you had to say no? Today, (laughs) every day, constantly, constantly, Constantly. not just rock everything else, but I, but just in this particular case, because sometimes it can be faced with, well, if you don't do it, then we're not going to play the show. And then it becomes a promoter problem and all the rest of it. But, you got a line to walk there and um totally what, what happens then? what happens then it's challenging it, it's it is really challenging
1: because and one of the things that that we did early on and um our colleague mr fortune um was the one who sort of put this together um you know he he sort of said you know we're using you in vancouver we got so somebody else in calgary you got another guy in winnipeg we're taking this tour across canada and you know they're getting a script from you. They're getting a script from our guy in Calgary. They're getting a script there. Get, it's not right. And I said, yeah, you're damn right. It's not right. So we actually put together a network of loose network of, of rock docs across Canada. And just so that we could sort of go, Hey, did you see so-and-so last night and give them, you know, 30 Vicodins right. or something. And so that to try to control that a little bit, you know, cause at the end of the day, yeah, it, the, the, the challenge is that the, there's a number of competing allegiances right like you know i got to do things right but i sort of work for the promoter rep but my my uh responsibility is to the patient not to the promoter rep and not to the management and not and you isn't it to you as well and your license right and all the rest right totally so i got to do the right thing medically but yet the right thing medically for somebody, you know, just to be totally straight up, you know, a guy who's addicted to narcotics, who has run out of his pills, you know, he's not going to feel very good going to do the show, right? So, but I'm not helping him by giving him a script for a hundred pills, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's always a challenge to try to address the issue and and try to solve the problems. And and that was one of the things that I en- enjoy is the challenge of, of trying to, you know, figure yeah, out how to. How to how to dance that line and and mm-hmm. and do it properly and, and recognize the importance to everybody, you know. It's, so it, it's it's certainly a challenge and and happens a lot. And how, you know, I kind of evolved some ways around to dance around it. And you know, people would go, oh, uh, listen, uh, you know, hey, can I get some uh, Vicodin? Is always the one, Vicodin yeah. or Ambien. But I'm like, well, you know what? We're in Canada. We don't actually have Vicodin in Canada, which is true there is no brand name Vicodin in Canada. There is, you know, that drug does exist in Canada, but it's not under that brand name. So I was like, I'm not lying to anybody. It's like, Hey dude, we don't have that. I can give you an alternate medication that's less harmful. That's less bad that, and I'm not going to give you a hundred of them, but whatever, just to address the issue. Anyway, it's, uh, I love the fact
0: that I love the fact that Dave and yourself and everybody, Dave fortune. Hi Dave. Um, Put that together so you guys could talk because, you know, we as promoter reps running shows, you know, we're not drug dealers. Right. Just saying. And, you know, there's, there's always a call about this, or there's a call about that, but having a backup like this and you want it, you know, let me, let me walk this carefully, but you want the show to happen. People have mental health and addiction issues that need to be addressed. And that's what doctors are for. To address that issue through us, if they need help, we send them to you. You tell us what to do. You serve service them, staying within the realm of your license and all the rest of it, and move on. But not having a, a standard rock doc sort of like group of guys across the country can be dangerous because some guys totally are like, oh yeah, whatever you need. You know, whatever yeah. whatever. And I've seen, like, you know, we've seen it over the years of like, well, that guy gave me this and that guy gave me that. It's like, okay, well, that's fine. But our guys don't do that. So kudos that you guys were able to put that together because I think it, it protects everybody when that happens. And it's really, it, at that point it becomes a management and an agent thing. Hey, call your manager, <laughs> call your yeah. agent. Cause no. <laughs> well, right. And, 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 you know, I mean,
1: at the end of the day, we're not helping anybody by writing a script for a, you a know, hundred of these things, you know, like no. it, it's, it's not, and because then, you know, then it's like, oh, you know, they, they used to tu- it used to happen that, um, you know, they I'd, I'd walk into the building and some of the tours be like on the radio, hey, uh, we got a rock doc in the building, and then yeah. all of a sudden, every everyone's truck drivers got a sore back, and That's I got right. a headache, I got migraines, and this, and so it's like, okay, you guys, just tell me who we're seeing, call them on their phone, just don't put it on the radio.
0: Uh, you. So you went. And you start the company, you do the whole thing. Oh, we're gonna get. I want to get. I want a festival story from you. Slash funny story from you. Uh, just a few picks for people watching at home. But some of the things that you guys do is event, event stuff. So there team. Uh, uh, there's uh, you guys do marathons. You do uh, concerts. Provide you know medical services for events all over the place. So it happened, you know, out of that phone call from Ron, and then it turns into event stuff uh, how did it how did you take it from that concert and then all of a sudden now you're doing the sun run or you're doing this or you're doing that and then you're doing the jails and then you're doing this it's actually turned into a full-on company outside of everything yeah. so how does that go from the concert to this new thing that you got now not necessarily new but yeah you know. it's so,
1: like everything else, it's it's relationships and you know, guy who knows a guy, right? So, um, and and you know, my my thing is always just try to treat people respectfully because you never know when somebody's yeah. going to know a guy who knows a guy or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I was doing I was doing the shows and Roy Yen, also a Vancouver guy. Yeah, um, hi Roy. Yeah, and Roy, uh, Roy was working for the city, uh, doing a contract and uh, the Vancouver Marathon sort of big old marathon every year, 25,000 people or whatever it is. Um, and, and this was around the advent of cell phones. So, you know, it, it, everybody has a cell phone. You know, This is back in 2006, 2005. And uh, so somebody falls down or trips or falls on a race and 35 people call 911 all at once. And so they send every ambulance in the whole city out to find this one guy and right. caused a cre- a massive delay in the whole system. And so the city says to the the marathon people, you know, you guys got to have an organized medical program. And in those days, event medicine was, you know, you, you get one doctor who volunteers, you get a couple off-duty paramedics and a couple of firefighters, and you borrow some stuff and grab some gauze pads, and you throw it all together. You go down there, you do your best, and, um, and that's it. And I was, you know, I was one of those guys who would volunteer because I love big events. I love stuff. And, and, uh, and I realized that I'm like looking around going, I'm the only guy who's got malpractice insurance here. I'm the only guy who, you know, <laughs> is going to get taken down. Everybody else is just trying to do their best. And, you know, if there's a problem, it's me. So at that point I said, you know what, I, I don't really want to do this anymore unless I do it properly. And unless we formalize it. And uh, so then Roy Yen phoned me and he goes, listen, we need a medical plan for, you know, the uh, the marathon. Do you want to be the medical director? And, you know, I always had a sort of short attention span. So I'm like, yeah, cool. That, that'd be something fun to do. So little did I know the amount of work and planning that was involved. And it was six months of, of like a ton of work to make no money. But did it and it and it went off okay and I was like, okay, cool. I I like this. So let's 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 make this a little more formal and sort of started to put together some systems and this was, you know, leading up to the 2010 Olympic Games. Uh, there was a bunch of test events and the um, triathlon world championships we did, and then the World Cup, and then the World Police and Fire Games was here. And so we got involved in all that and we started to really build out the idea of event medicine in a formal way and uh, had some really good colleagues that, uh, that worked on it. And we started a research program um, at uh, the university doing research on mass gathering medicine. And um, so that all started to come together. And then uh, another local guy decided, had this crazy idea to do a massive music festival in the middle of nowhere north of Whistler. And uh, we were sitting in the, actually, in the Live Nation box at uh, Aerosmith, the 8th of December. And he comes up to me, goes, hey, man, I got this idea. Like, I want to do this festival. You want to do the health and safety? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Well, again, little did I know what I was getting into, turned into this massive monster of an operation. And it, you know, i was hours and, and hours every night. You set in up the and, for
0: the, and for the record, you, you know, uh, you set up triage there. You set up all these different, you oh, know, when it comes insane. to a festival, you're basically setting up a mini hospital. Yeah we had a 54 bed field hospital.
1: We had ICU beds. We could do casts. Um, we had, uh, we had a a 12 station respiratory station. Cause uh, anybody who remembers the 08 Pemberton festival, it was hay fever and dust and nobody could breathe. And we had all this, all kinds of challenges. So anyway, we had, we had everything. Um, and it was, it was, it was massive. And we had ATVs and bike squads and all this stuff. and, and uh so the first night, it's the Friday night, well, first real night of the festival, and it's crazy. There's hundreds of people coming in, and I remember because we, we had, I think we had 359 patients in the first like 18 hours, and at my trauma center, we would see about 120 a day, and I'm like, okay, well, there at the trauma center, we got you know two doctors, 12 nurses, and you know a bunch of other people, and you see 120 people here. I got about the same number of people and we're seeing 350 so just craziness and i remember i I walked out into the middle of the field after the show was over it was dark and there's craziness going on and, and i was literally almost in tears because it was all working and it was at that moment i went this is what i want to do and came home from the festival incorporated the company invested a bunch of money got it all ready and started out and that was the end of the pemberton festival for six years Right. so i was like oh crap i just you know started this company to do event and festival medicine and my anchor event just went away
0: <laughs> so but well, thankfully anyway. you got other thankfully you got others and then uh, uh the pivot like, that's the word of the year uh, for the last two years was the pivot um so we reconnected again Okay, so first and foremost, as I mentioned before, I have gone through COVID myself, coming through, uh, coming out of Manchester, and, and and Sam was one of the first people to call me to sort of say, "Hey, how you doing? What's going on?" And at that point, I'm like, I like, what is this? What what is going to happen to me? And your answer was, "I don't know." And I'm like, "Great, I, you're the guy I trust, and you don't know, so let's <laughs> figure this out." And and you were. You're like, we're going to go through this and we'll work through this together. And it was great. And Sam was in touch with me uh, almost daily or every other day. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And uh, it was great. And it really put me and my family at ease because uh, we were able to kind of realize that uh, at, like, at the time that uh, no one had the answers, but everyone was kind of working together to sort of see what was going to go on. So that calming voice was Sam for me, uh, but it did open the door for you. Uh, to another side of the business because the music in the the industry shut down basically and events shut down, but film and TV did not. So, well, they, they did initially, they did initially.
1: initially, So we were, we were dead in the water. So, uh, you know, all of our events, uh, fortunately, well, the, we have a, another parallel arm of the business where we we look after some correctional facilities and provide medical services there. So, yeah, so we were still operating there because of course, you know, the jails were still going. So, you know, we were okay. Um, But you know, all the action, all the events, you know, I, I had just been doing shows in Mexico. So I had done a string of six shows was home for two weeks and was supposed to go back down and do this massive rave in Cancun. And, um, and so all of a sudden this all stopped. And so the first, First three, four weeks, I was like, oh, gosh, this is a great vacation. I love being home with the kids and the family. This is amazing. And then I was like, uh-oh, we're done. Like, there is nothing here. And I had sort of visibility that it was going to be 18 to 24 months. Um, and so I'm like, oh, crap, what do we do now? And, you know, I was really concerned about it. And a couple weeks later, uh, one of our long-term clients that, that we've done a lot of stuff for and um, called us and said, look, you know, we're, we're an international distributor of, of apparel and we're going to stay open and we need to know how we can keep our distribution center safe. So can you help us? So I was like, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll help you figure it out. So we started to go and help them figure out, OK, yeah, what are the questions that you got to ask? You know, we all know them now, right? Have you had a cough? Have you had a runny nose? Whatever. But nobody knew that at that point. And right. And oh, checking temperatures. OK, well, we need thermometers okay, well, let's source some thermometers and PPE you couldn't get. Well, we had a warehouse full of PPE. So we, and and we also had our event infrastructure where we had the ability to reach out to a big network of healthcare people and be able to pull them in, train them up, tell them what we're doing and send them to these places. So we changed, we took our event infrastructure and applied it to COVID safety for industry. And that started to, to, you know, one and then another, and then somebody else heard and whatever, and people knew people. And so we started to do a few of those, and it got a little bit bigger, and we started to build out our infrastructure um, in the Toronto area as well. And uh, so that was going okay. And then um, I, uh, I realized that testing was going to become a really big deal. And when I realized that film and television was eventually going to come back sooner rather than later, then I, I reached out to um, one of the big lab companies and I did the first private deal for um, COVID testing with a major lab in Canada. And we did a deal. I just said, look, I, I'm going to do testing. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to do it and I and I want to do it through you guys. And um, so then we started to do some commercials and you know the commercials didn't again they didn't know what they were doing so we started to do the covid safety plans for them and then we started to offer them testing and then uh and then we were good at coordinating the logistics on the collection side on the front end of making sure our staff showed up on time with the right equipment, the right supplies, the right processes. And then we were also good on the back end of the reporting. So being able to collect all the reports together and get them back to the productions on time so they could, they could do their stuff. So that's how we started out. And then we grew and grew and grew and more people and more films. And then, you know, TV and and film series started coming back and, then it just kind of exploded. And so that's where I reached back to um, you know Dave Fortune and yourself and and then you guys helped build yeah. out the network of all these touring people who were sitting at home going what the hell am I going to do and I got nothing going around. on around there's I a dude. You're so, like
0: kinda, yeah I much yeah, going on. Yeah, you were selling there.
1: cars.
0: Just <laughs> buying he was cars for cars. A, friend of my, a friend of mine, He was like, "Hey, you got I got a I got a dealership and we need use cars." And I'm like, "I've never done that before." And then and you probably haven't done this before. but uh, we've got uh, we've got a movie and film that needs testing and here we go uh, which was amazing. you know it's amazing to see what you were able to pull off here. Uh, what was the company numbers? like I'm not talking financially, I'm talking how many people were involved with the company pre covid and since.
1: Yeah, so we, we, our model's always been pretty lean just because events, they're so mm-hmm. up and down, they come and go and, you know, you, you can't plan. So we, we kept a very lean infrastructure of, of very few employees and literally a mom and pop shop. It was my wife and I and and two others, two and a half others, basically were, uh, were operating the company and then, you know, lots of, lots of, um, clinical people would come and go and fill the shifts and stuff. But, um, so there was four and a half of us in August of 2020. And, um, now we're about a hundred and something. And then <laughs> an, I don't even know how many, uh, how many contractors we have, like so many people right across the country. And it, and it's yeah. been, you know, it's, it's really been a, an amazing collaboration of some unbelievably talented people just you know like you're while well, he was on your show last week andy robishow you know yeah. he's a t- tour guy from halifax and you know we get on the phone dave says hey i know this guy in uh in halifax you, you want to go set up in halifax we had a film uh, one of the film companies we're, we're shooting and we're like yeah. okay yeah we can do halifax we know a guy so we call up andy it's like okay andy here's what we're doing. He's like, "Um, I don't know anything about medicine and science. I said, yeah, no, it's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll teach you while we, with Andy and one person, a guy who knew a guy who knew a paramedic and we, we got her going. And so the two of them built out this crazy, crazy thing we got going there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's it's quite amazing. It's quite something how, how it came together. And then they kind of coincide with what you were talking about before, which, you know, we, we all talked about, that might subside and then events will start back up again. So they've, you've kind of were able to catch, capture lightning in a bottle, but then you're going to also go back to lightning in a bottle because all the events are going to start happening again and there's going to be tons of stuff. So how many rock doc calls have you been on a rock doc call in the last three months?
1: Uh, well, there has been lots of rock doc calls that have come in. Yeah. Um, it mostly film related, not, not, uh, music related. Music. Yeah. Um, and I haven't done them just cause I, you know, I'm so I'm busy with other stuff. And the good news is our team is, we've got a big team now. I'm like, what a luxury. I've actually got people on my team. I'm, I'm not the guy in my garage packing the bags to go out for the first gig sure. gigs, which is how we started. you know, like every every other story, it's, you know, he started in the mail room or packing the bags or whatever it is. But, um, yeah. So now we've got some super talented people, and lots of docs and, so yeah there's it's happening it's it's interesting it's different it's it's definitely different and i know you, you know you've been out uh, experiencing i, haven't really I, left my base yeah, I went out on a
0: tour yeah i went out on a tour and i and i, and I experienced being out back on tour again which was interesting and then uh but just seeing how the infrastructure is working now was quite something so anyone needs an advice on a medical company just uh reach out and i'll connect you with sam uh okay i want to talk uh i'll let you go in a couple minutes here but i want to have some fun here for a minute Because last week I posted a little something, something about being on a couple of inhalers. It didn't cause, it, it caused no shortage of like anarchy in my world as far as people messaging me and all the rest of it. Some of it, are you okay? Some of it, this is bullshit and it's fake. Okay. Some of it with some medical advice some of it with some non-medical advice some of it just it's just such a polarizing subject to me and i'm actually always in the middle and this show isn't political however right. we're gonna have some fun so one of the things that you offer currently right now especially when it comes to travel testing because people are traveling you need to fly and the to country you need an antigen to go into America. Some of them you need a PCR to go into some of these countries. Um, the other side of it is also to come back into Canada. At least right now you need a PCR, which may or may not change. We don't know. Um, so lots of chatter online about how PCR is stupid and it's not uh, accurate and all the rest of it. So let's have some fun for a minute. And I want you to try to dumb this down as yeah. hard as you can to dumb this down uh, because I'm assuming we're going to get some fun little feedback on this little segment of the show. So my friend to someone who says the PCR is stupid and that it's dumb and it doesn't, it's not accurate and it's blah, blah, blah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, so there, you know, there,
1: there's no place for politics in any of this. Um, it, It's a disease. It's, a virus, there's science, and it, that's that's really it. So, in my view. So, understanding the science really removes the politics. Right? So, a test is not political, a test is, is just, it's a test. So, you apply different tests in different uh, scenarios for different purposes and what people don't understand is a test is not a yes no proposition it's it's about probabilities it's about the likelihood that the result that you get from a test is a true result or is a false result so what that means is in certain circumstances you use one test in certain circumstances you use a different test and you have to evaluate the performance of the test to understand what the results actually mean so and and i get that that's way beyond most people they don't even they can't even go there but what it means is that if you're if you have a problem that is a low incidents meaning there's not very much of it around and you're trying to screen people to be sure that they don't have it so for example if you're trying to do a movie set where you can't wear a mask and socially distance and stay away from people which is not politics it's just that's how viruses spread if you get close viruses spread so if you want to not spread a virus stay away from people and wear a mask that's just fact so if you want to keep a set safe where there's no ability to stay apart because you got to, like, get close to each other and be on camera, you need a test that is going to be absolutely just about 100% sure that if you do that test and it says you don't have the disease, it's accurate. Okay? That's a PCR test. So it's a, it's a DNA test. It is accurate 98, 99% of the time. If it says you
0: don't have the disease
1: and you have no symptoms, it's correct.
0: What is it about it? What is it about it that makes it so?
1: Because it's actually detecting the DNA of the virus, the genetic material that defines the virus as the virus. And it, and there's nothing else that, that does that. It either is or it isn't the rapid tests. Sorry, one Sorry, second, Sam. Yeah.
0: What is the argument then from the Facebook doctors that are yeah. saying PCR is full of lies? What is it's their just, argument? Where are they wrong. getting where are they getting that though? Like what where did that come I into their head? Where did that come into their head?
1: Well, let, let's remember that in in medicine, doctors, same as mechanics, contractors, lawyers, accountants, there's good ones and there's shitty ones.
0: Because this is an interesting subject. This is an interesting thing for me because my, uh, I, when I was in the States and I had probably three or four rock docs out on my trip, again, my friends not being political, but I am very curious as to the very hardcore Republican doctors take on this whole thing. And I was in Phoenix yeah. I was in Phoenix and I had a rock doc out who was of the Republican side. Yeah. And I was like, I just, I'm I'm curious. You tell the, me what's going yeah. on. And the, his answer, his answer to just, his answer to this was, was very interesting to me. He's like, the only people in our emergency rooms are unvaccinated. I'm going to leave it at that. And I thought, if that's coming from the Republican doctor, then what's with the other, why, why, is this agenda based If the people are taking this other stance or is it just mechanics saying that you should use this tire instead of that tire?
1: Yeah, it, it's it, well, stepping back there, there's, uh, let, me, let me finish the testing then we'll go to, yeah. to, to vaccines. But so with testing, so people don't like PCR because it goes far into your nose and it's expensive because it's a really good, accurate test. So that's fine it is what it is, it's the most accurate. If you really wanna be sure, do a PCR test. So what about a rapid test? Well, rapid test is inexpensive. It's not looking for the DNA of the virus, it's looking for a piece of protein on the outside of the virus. That's a much more um, uh, variable thing. So the protein can be kinda like it, sorta like it, and the technology that's used to to generate the yes or no is a, just a less accurate technology, full stop. It's just not as, as accurate. So if you want to use a rapid test as a screening test, so you're taking, you're looking for a disease that's not there because you're talking about non-symptomatic people, not symptomatic, but people without symptoms who are otherwise healthy, they've gone through their list of questions, they're not sick, and you go and you give them that test, it's not that accurate. If it says that you don't have COVID, it's wrong, depending on which test you use, up to half the time, meaning you're flipping a coin. So whether it's five bucks or 120 bucks, it's still not the right test to tell you that you don't have the disease. Now, if it depends on what you're trying to do. If you've got a healthy, vaccinated population who are not symptomatic, you can spend five bucks on a test, and it's going to pick up some tests, some positives, and you're going to catch some cases that you wouldn't catch from just asking the questions. So that's an appropriate use of it. But you got to understand which test you're using when and why, and it's not about politics and it's not about freedoms. Mm -hmm. It's about what are you trying to achieve and which test are you
0: using. So that's test. I've never met. I've never met a, a more polarizing issue the whole time I've been alive. This is over religion. It's, and it's, I guess it ranks up there with race. Race is terrible. This is the yeah. hate that's coming from both sides. I've never, I'm just like, this is unbelievable. So I was it's, talking, it's really, something.
1: you're right. I was talking with somebody last night and uh, a bright woman, and, and we were chatting about this stuff. And, um, and I asked her the question, I said, what do you, what do you think? Would this have been different if this occurred, not at a time when there was a trend towards, you know, uh, right-wing nationalism. You Know if this happened 20 years ago, would it have been the same kind of vitriol and 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 uh, you know, polarization? I think not. I think it just happened. It was, you know, a bit of a perfect storm of stuff going on, and people sure. jumped
0: on board with this train. And you know, obviously well, it didn't some, help, it didn't help in the states when you have a leader that's like, I'm fine, it was fine, I got over it in 20 minutes, it was the best. Yeah, he, all, best disease he also ever. had.
1: He also had a, a you know half a million dollars worth of drugs that the rest of us can't get access to, like <laughs> the monoclonal antibodies and the, the, these amazing medications that are twenty five thousand dollars a dose that the rest of us don't get. So you know that that's true also. Like he was better in a day and a half, but it's because he had these drugs.
0: I heard that's someone say I heard someone say that uh, because of the narrative, and I don't disagree on the fact that this is probably hasn't been explained enough the whole thing it's so like well what about this and i heard this and i heard that someone had told me today they they should have just said sars is back sars yeah. 2 the sequel and people would have been like oh sars is oh, back let's be careful it, you know what i mean yeah. it was just an interesting kind of thing where it was like i wonder if they just would have came out and said looks like sars is back to people to just would have been like let's go let's go let's go let's go <laughs>
1: it's well like, it's I it also it's also like i don't totally understand why um people are choosing to listen to people who have no background in these issues like like hey i love joe rogan he's a funny guy and he's a great ufc commentator but i'm pretty sure he's not an epidemiologist i'm pretty sure he's not a virologist i'm pretty sure he doesn't have a degree in this sort of stuff You know, he didn't go to university to learn about this. So why are we choosing to listen to him over Dr.
0: Fauci? Okay, because in my take on this thing, and this is, we can leave it, but I mean, my take on this is the fact that on that side, there's also a whole bunch of doctors that have come out against all of it. And they have an MD. Or they have an MD on their name, or they have this. or they have that. A lot more of them are chiropractors. <laughs> but I'm just saying. A lot of doctors have come out with all the letters at the end of their name that are said, "This is all bullshit." And that's where, if all the doctors on the on the planet were like, "No, no, everyone get on board with this thing," but it's split, and that's what's well, confusing I, people to me. That's what's confusing I, to me. Yeah, or to I people, mean, I, not to me. To, to
1: people. There, Certainly there are, um, there are MDs and healthcare people uh, who have a different view than the vast majority of the rest of the healthcare world. And sure. those folks have been really amplified by social media and, um, and, you know, not just social media in and of itself, but there has been a, um, a purposeful amplification of, of their outlying opinions. But make no mistake, those are outlying opinions the very vast majority of people understand. And and the other thing to be that I think has really been missed in all of this is that, yeah, it's true. We're never going to eradicate this thing. It's endemic. It's here. The goal is not to stop every single case. The goal is to protect the capacity of the healthcare system. And that's really been missed in the narrative is that you know the goal of of vaccination is to protect the healthcare system so that if you get hit by a bus there is an ICU bed for you so that there's doctors and nurses at the ER in the hospital who can handle you that's what it's all about and so that people can get the surgeries they need and you know part of this is is um and that's where the politics comes in, is that yeah. some of these decisions are not just individual, they're social decisions, and people have different views on individualism and libertarianism, and and that's okay. And that's where I think the disconnect is that people don't understand that choosing to vaccinate is not just about protecting you, it's about protecting everybody, which then comes back and protects you. And there are people that don't get that and choose, you know, they legitimately don't
0: don't get that. It's like I'm all about me. I'm going to look after my own, you know, my own self, oh, my own family, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, and Joe's and Joe's taken. There's a whole bunch of undertakes. And my immune system is enough. I I mean, what do you what do you say to my immune system is enough? Let's remove. How do you know?
1: How do you know? How do exactly. you know? How
0: do you know? How do you know? You I don't know until this, you know. I want to make this point, Sam, because the that I want to make and the that I made last week is this: you don't know. I had a relatively calm COVID experience, to tell you the truth. Mine has all been post. All my shit has been post. You know this. All my stuff has been post. Everyone's like, "I'll be fine." Yeah. i already had COVID, or I'm going to get over it. I get it, but you have no clue how you're going to react to it if you do get it. And there's this, like, well, let's just all get COVID, and then it will be fine. Then will be fine. But it could really hurt you. Let me give
1: you give you an, a, a couple of ex- an experience that's happened to me a couple of times as an ER doc where you know, you get people who have a legitimate belief that vaccinations are uh, are unnecessary. So they don't vaccinate their children. They choose not to do that. So they don't give them the pertussis vaccine for whooping cough, right? So, or smallpox or whatever, all the ones, m- measles, mumps, rubella. They just, for whatever reason, don't believe in vaccines. And, and my opinion is they're badly misinformed, but okay, they, they choose not to do that. And it's all good until... Their kid gets whooping cough and then they show up in the ER and they look at me and they say, do something, help my kid fix him or her. He's suffering. He's he could die. And my answer is, you know, my answer in my head, not what I say to them. My answer is you missed the boat. That's why there is a vaccine, because there is nothing to do once you get it and you're here. And that's why we vaccinate, because once we're here, there is nothing to do. And so rolling the dice that you're going to be the, 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 you know, that whatever 80% of people that have a case, that's not a big deal and you're totally fine. You don't know if you're the one who's going to end up in ICU. You don't know if you're the one there. And once you do, there's very little that we can do as healthcare people to save you or fix you or make you better because the only tool we have is the vaccine that has to be given upstream. And so it's like, people don't get that and and I really don't know how to explain that to people um and some people are just like hey you know what i you know okay great i understand and i'm going to take the chance and yeah eighty five, ninety 85 90% of people in icu today all over the world are unvaccinated people and pretty much all of them are saying damn give me that vaccine and the icu doctors or are like, oh, sure fix but me it's a with little fix late.
0: or fix me with this stuff and and then you're like, oh, do, you want to, do you want to know what's in this stuff? No, 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 no. Just fix no. me. Just so, fix
1: me. Just fix me.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll let you go here. Uh, one more thing to kind of end this thing uh, on this side, and this is as medical and, and all the rest of it as we get on this, but I want people to you know, come out of it with, they can take whatever they want out of this thing. I just, I'm just curious for myself. I want to preface here that Everyone has the right to choose what they do within themselves. Everyone has the right to put something in them if they want. If they have a strong immune system that they think, great. Go, go, go. Do your thing. What do you say to the people that are like, this isn't a vaccine. It's just a dose. And it's not, it's not a, it was rushed. And this mandate is crazy. And we shouldn't be forced to do things. All valid questions I even asked at the beginning. I think I even asked you, do I need the vaccine? I've had COVID. I've come out of it. Do I have enough antibodies? Can I get through this thing onto the next phase? So my question to you and the final one on this subject, vaccine hesitancy. What's your take? Can you dumb it down to the point of what is this thing? Is it a vaccine? Yes.
1: Yeah, so so you got to separate out the I don't like to be told what to do from the I have legitimate concerns about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. So for the people who say government isn't going to tell me what to do, my answer to them is what about drunk driving? Okay, you're not allowed to drunk drive. Not because any of us give a crap whether you – drunken drive your car off a cliff and harm yourself, that's your choice. But the fact is you're gonna take out a bunch of healthy people. And so my view is by getting a vaccine, you're reducing the likelihood of passing it on to others and, and reducing it in the community. So it's a bit of a communal decision and I get that some people don't like that. But if it's because you don't like being told what to do, Government tells you what to do all day long. You can't walk around with a loaded firearm without a license and training and depending on where you are, it's different rules, but whatever. You can't drive a car without a driver's license. So government, by living in a social society, there are rules and this is a rule that people uh, and governments and the consensus, the social consensus is that this is something to do to protect us all so that there is healthcare capacity. So I don't have a lot of time for the government-tell-me-what-to-do argument. The next argument, there's more to it, which is, okay, this was rushed. We don't know enough about it. Well, we also don't know. The virus didn't exist until 18 months ago, 20 months ago. So we know about the same amount about the virus as we do about the vaccine, and now there's been whatever billion doses. I think the number in Canada was there was 56 million doses, and these are rough numbers, 56 million doses given and 400 reactions. 447, I think I saw. So it's really safe. It's way safer than a lot of other things that people choose to put in their bodies. Um, and it's also incredibly effective. Like in terms of a treatment being 93% effective, like... If you got high blood pressure and I put you on high blood pressure medicine, there's, a, uh, there's a, a concept called number needed to treat, which is how many people exactly like you do I have to put on blood pressure medicine to prevent one stroke? Well, it's like 10 or 12 or something. So in terms of efficacy, in terms of effectiveness, these vaccines are incredibly safe and incredibly effective. It's true they haven't been around for 100 years, so we don't know what that, the long-term consequences are. But we also have the last hundred years of using vaccines and knowing that they don't do bad things. So the likelihood that there's long term problems is really low. So on a balance of of all the evidence, it's way smarter, safer, better to do the vaccine than to not do it and there's some argument joe's got a argument about well you know i had one dose and then i got covid so do i really need a second dose completely legitimate argument and my view is yes but there's a legitimate argument that you don't need another dose i don't buy it but it's a it's a it's a legitimate argument so you know there's there's a there's so much to this but so much of it is so much of the discourse is, is coming from people who don't understand the arguments and they're jumping on a bandwagon or they're, as you put a politically driven or whatever, but you know, there is a lot of science here. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of really smart people. The other thing that, that, also is unique to this particular time and i said this way back at the beginning i said to my wife i'm like this is bad most pandemics historically it's five years bunch of Mm -hmm. waves a lot of people die it sucks it's horrible we're in a time unprecedented time of ability to share knowledge to have computer um power to to create um to to crunch numbers to do the research no wonder we got this stuff so fast because we've never had the ability to manage, uh, information like we do. We've never had the ability to collaborate scientifically across the globe, like we do now. So yeah. Okay. Maybe it's fast, but we're in an age of fast ability to make decisions. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, got to consider that too. There is a whole bunch of political overlay and I get that. And people are skeptical of governments and they're skeptical, but, the science is the science. And, you know, most scientists I know are are pretty straightforward people who are about the right answers. And, you know, nobody's perfect, but, you know, I don't think there's a mass conspiracy to sell more, you know, sell to, to, for Bill Gates to there's track us. Bat, with oh, there's a
0: secret bat phone. Uh, there's a secret bat phone that all the doctors around the world are on. And they're like, Oh, we're going to get them. We're going to get him. We're gonna get him. Yeah. I guess I didn't get the extension anyway. You must I got the extension. That, this, that guy is the doctor that I trust. That's Dr. Sam Gutman of this wonderful company, RockDoc, which you can find RockDoc, Inc., uh, event services. He's doing PCR and travel testing, you know, PCR and rapid testing if you need to get out of the country, Um which I foresee happening for a little while, this is your guy and we can uh, do it around the world or sorry, around the country of Canada. So uh, be sure to check out uh, rock doc, Sam uh, one last thing before you go, your favorite concert you've ever been to of all time.
1: Oh boy. That's a tough one. So many good ones. Ottson um, stadium, 1993, I believe it was May 23rd the dead saw a naked midget walking by me, sorry, naked little person walking by me and went, where else would I see this? Anywhere, anywhere else in the world walking, just going about his business. Like nothing was going on. Uh, anyway, that's so many good ones. Uh, just, yeah. Don't even know where to start. I I'm blessed to, uh, have, have seen some of the shows I've seen and, just yeah amazing <laughs> amazing stuff is i guess the back. the best one the best one was my wife and i got front row for the chili peppers and just had the best time ever and like right in front of uh, of anthony Kiedis. it was so yeah. cool anyway there's so many
0: that's my friend dr sam gutman sir rock doc where can people find you online i believe you're just on the linkedin huh
1: linkedin uh yeah i just uh we We have lots of social media. I don't. Um, but uh, my uh, my sons uh, keep me abreast of everything and will uh, forward anything important. but uh, yeah, no
0: LinkedIn or just website reachable through the website rockdocinc.com for everything. Sam, any travel testing, all the rest of it. Thank you, sir, for joining me this week on the Brenton On Tour podcast. Uh, And everyone out there for listening. We're going to keep this series going, touring during a pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, all the rest of it, and some of the people that are involved in it. Uh, my favorite people in the world, right there, Sam. I mean, also Doctor with no agenda that I trust greatly, who I've trusted with my life and has done great things for me and um, helped me through uh, um, this madness, this COVID. That's the Princeton on Tour podcast for another week. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in, uh, and we'll see you next week.